0: From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15 on the program, a conversation with uh, David Essel about uh, why people stay in abusive relationships. So over the last uh, few weeks, we've talked about domestic violence towards women. This week, we talked about domestic violence towards men and today we'll talk about why people stay what we can do how do we jumpstart the the uh the, the way out really uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk with uh, david about that and of course you can always share your uh, your own stories of how you got out of an abusive relationship but first
1: let's take a look at the inbox make a connection anytime at 514
0: 800 Remember, you can always email me your questions to laurie at com. So I got a couple of emails, um, follow-ups, actually. So remember, a couple of uh, follow-ups. Remember earlier, I don't know if it was at the beginning of the week, where we had the girl, the young woman who got chlamydia from a guy and she'd never had any other sex, um, any other sex partners and it could only have been him and he denied it. And now he was going out with a new girl and she was wondering, do we tell the girl? And then the last email we got was they told the girl, the girl seemed to be really, really happy about it. Well, happy, happy to, to have been told and, and was very positive about it. And then I get this email, Dr. Laurie. I wish I never agreed to go to that one supplementary class Monday when I could have started spring break and we could have avoided what is happening. I told you Monday, we approached the girl my friend's ex was seeing who gave her chlamydia. All hell has broken loose. My friend started getting text messages from her ex today, calling her an effing bitch, a uh, a C word, a slut, and just about every other word you can think of. That was my prediction, guys, um, when all this came out. Uh, She is staying at our home because she is that upset and does not want to go home because her mom will see something is very wrong. My dad used her cell phone and called called him, threatening calling the police for harassment. He told my dad she had no right telling his mom. Hmm. We have no idea how his mom found out. She does not even know his home phone number and he blocked her on his Facebook. We are assuming the girl she told may have posted something on his Facebook, but we are only speculating. But on the brighter side, the meds did the trick and she no longer has chlamydia according to her last results yesterday. My mom and I, and now my friend, are fans of passion. My friend would really like if you can tell your young listeners to be careful and do not make the mistakes the mistake she made. Condoms, condoms, condoms. Maybe the poet can write a poem about the importance of safe sex. (laughs) So there's a request. Why? We're taking requests for this poet. All right, and another follow up. You may not remember me, but I'm a truck driver who bought flowers for my wife for no reason because of something I remembered from your show. I work nights driving a truck. I'm on my lunch now, and my wife packed me a great lunch. Inside, I found a note that says, Enjoy your lunch. It was made with love. I will stay up waiting for you. I love you. I called her, told her that I love her too and see her soon enough. Here I am, a grown man in a parking lot in a semi with tears in my eyes. Truckers are known to be the macho type, but I guess that is only a mask. Since my little gesture of flowers, things seem to have changed. It was always pretty good, but now it's so much better. So I'm taking a few minutes because I want to thank you. Never, never would I have done what I did if it was not for you. You seem to make people better people. Wow, <laughs> that's really uh, sweet. That's uh, that's given me quite a bit of. Uh, power there but nonetheless i'll take it i'll take the the compliment thank you so much 514-800 if you want to text in your uh, question a comment remember you can email me and as you can see we do get follow-ups from people who have tried things some of you have suggested Uh, and a lot of people really connect with all of you, right? So they're writing to me, but they're really writing to everybody else as well. And it is starting to feel like a really large kind of a group, uh, support group, basically. And we're calling it, it's the passion community here, but people helping people. It's not just me helping people, but you're helping people as well, which is such a wonderful feeling. And you should all be very proud for, for helping others as well. How does one have anal sex safely? So first of all, any kind of, uh, if you're talking about STI safety, you know that the only thing that can protect you is a condom. So please, please, please use a condom. If you're talking about, uh, painless, so safely meaning maybe without pain, or what have you, then uh, you, the condoms plus lots of lubrication, lubricant that you put uh, on top of the condom and in the area, you have to make sure that your partner is willing, open, in more ways than one open, but I, what I mean to say is comfortable with what you're about to do, comfortable with the penetration, and is relaxed. A person who's not relaxed has a tight, Sphincter it's normal we tense up when we are nervous and then it will be um it will be uh, painful so that's uh, not a good thing so yes condoms lube comfort relaxation those are the important things another one can how safe can rimming ever be so that's like the follow up to that how safe can rimming ever be? so rimming is or the oral oral anal pleasure It's, um, first of all, if if a person has showered and they, 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 they're clean, in other words, they haven't just had a bowel movement or what have you, then, uh, then it's pretty safe, but I would always recommend a barrier method, just like, Uh, even for oral sex on women you can use but hardly anybody ever does but uh, dental dams or cutting a condom down the middle and using that like make sure that's one that has no uh, lubricant inside it uh, and use that to cover the area and then uh, proceed with your uh, with your mouth but generally if a person is has showered and clean then um, there's less likelihood of bacteria but otherwise there's likelihood of bacteria, uh, and, and of course that's, uh, that can make you, um, that can make you sick, so, uh, text her, I'm an ex-truck driver and I'm a teddy bear with a big heart, <laughs> um, poem about safe sex, hmm, was kind of leaning towards abusive relationships, let me try, Uh, My friend, she slapped me once and hitting me. What situation should I do? Well, don't allow um, yourself to be placed in these situations. If it's a friend who's hitting you, you have to set your boundaries. Like this is not acceptable. I cannot be your friend, period. Um, I'm actually quite surprised about how, how relatively lightly you approach Clinton's petty excuse, Lori, considering the various demeaning implications involved, uh, excuse me, we were just having a lighthearted uh, conversation about that. Um, and you know, such as the treatment of women as mere stress release, that is, n- you got me all wrong and taking it out of context. If you know me even a little bit, you know, that I take these kinds of things, Um, quite seriously so there's no condoning and there's no condoning of violating any kind of rights no condoning of uh, somebody betraying etc etc so uh, coming up we're going to talk about uh, continue to talk about abusive relationships so why do people stay that's a big question A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Last week we talked about domestic violence. uh, Last week or the week before with uh, women, women as the victims. This week we talked about domestic violence against men and today I want to bring in my friend and colleague David Essel who's a best-selling author, counselor, master life coach to talk about uh, why people stay in abusive relationships so maybe try to understand the whole psychology of it because many of us who have friends or family members who we see are in abusive situations and don't leave are completely baffled by the whole thing so we want to explain that and then uh david can give us some tips too and we can talk about this um about how to how to leave a situation or at least start making a uh, a plan on that david so happy to have you back on the show hey dr laurie it's always awesome to be with you i love my american colleagues it's always fun (laughs) (laughs) So we, listen, we talked, uh, and we can talk about domestic violence. You know, the statistic I read this week, and it was so astounding to me that it happens equally to men and to women. It's just that it happens more violently to, um, to men, uh, to women. So women get uh, hurt physically more because of men's strength, obviously. But when, when you ask men and women, to report on on, uh, domestic abuse, whether it's psychological or physical, it's in equal proportions.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's changed dramatically in the last 10 years, Dr. Lori. and I think one of the reasons it's changed so much is that men would never report being abused by their wife or girlfriend because of their ego.
0: Yeah, and the stigma Uh and the shame and all that that goes with it
1: oh, my gosh, they feel guilt, they feel shame, they feel remorse, they feel every emotion in the world. And so because men aren't, you know, as as little boys, we're not taught how to communicate as equally as women are, that we have a tendency to hold these things in. And, you know, you can imagine in a locker room, you know, the conversation going, yeah, you know, Sally smashed me in the face again last night. Um, that's just not going to happen. Right. But – if, if it was two girls out talking, two women, you know, talking, having coffee, um, and, you know, I've seen it in my office. My God, there's many women that will say, I just don't know what to do. Right. You know, I mean, I, I, I love him. But again, last night, he pushed me up against the wall and threatened me.
0: Although but- I have to say, David, there's, um, there's so much... A shame attached to that too, that women feel that they can't tell their family, they don't dare tell their family or friends because the immediate reaction will be leave and they may not be ready to make that decision. And that's something we need to understand. It's like, because to most of us thinking, all right, you're being, you're being hit and beat up, like, why wouldn't you run? Right.
1: You know, uh, six months ago, I had a male client. I was working with him and his wife. Um, The wife has some serious emotional issues, which means he does, too, because he stayed. Uh, And so, you know, and they both, you know, had alcohol problems. So the very first thing I did was I got the, the husband to quit drinking. And he had drank heavily for 20 years, successful professional. And he looked at me and he said, do you really think that this is going to make a difference in the marriage? And I said, no, I have no clue if it's going to make a difference in a marriage. It's going to make a difference in you, though. Right. And, you know, how you react to your wife will, over time, start to radically change when alcohol is removed. So he did it. We worked for another three months together. His wife chose to keep drinking. His wife dropped out of the program. She no longer came in. And he came in one day, and he was looking at the ground, and he wasn't making eye contact, and he was talking. And I I said to him, what's going on? And he looked up, and he said, uh, he started crying. Mm -hmm. And he said, I I just can't tell you. I just can't ever tell anyone what happened. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm here if you want to do it via text, via email, via phone call, next week, whatever you want to do. Within 45 minutes, he finally opened up, and he said – I walked in the house last night. I turned the wrong light on at the wrong time. And I turned around to a fist coming at my face. And when I asked her why she just punched me in the face, she turned to me and said, I told you, never touch that light switch. Now, that might seem really bizarre, but in the world of abuse, the abuser will look at any reason whatsoever as a control issue mechanism to keep their partner in alignment. Right. And and doesn't have to, And everything we're talking about, Lori, has nothing to do with logic, does it?
0: No, it isn't. And the, the the just the story you're telling me about how this man comes in knowing he needs help and was so afraid even to tell his counselor about this. This also happened to me this, uh, this, the past couple of weeks where I was seeing a client for quite some, well, a few months, let's say, and it took that long for him to finally admit that his wife, uh, beats on him. Yeah, it's,
1: it's really hard, you know, and, and when we look at the, the evolution, I can say the evolution of, of men over the last 10 years has been quite profound in their willingness to speak, but Before the last 10 years, if I look back 20 years ago, oh, my gosh, it may have taken six months to a year for a guy to say, yes, I'm being abused. Right. Now, you know, interestingly enough, Lori, um, over the last 10 years, I have had more men come in talking about how their women are abusing them financially.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And and that's a form of abuse. Yes, it Uh, is. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're spending at a level to keep the family in hot, to keep the family, because, you know, in this case, and it's a stereotypical response, I understand that, but I'm going to just keep the story as the story actually is, and that is this woman wanted and felt entitled to have anything she wanted at any time, which meant that her husband was working overtime, 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 and they were still going into the red. But she said, that's not my issue. That's your issue. Go figure it out. I'm going to continue to buy what I want to buy. That's a form of emotional abuse via financial abuse.
0: Right. Yes. It's also, I talked about this on Friday, which it's a, it's a financial infidelity. <laughs> you know, it's, it's financial betrayal at the yeah. same time. So a person can have those same same types of feelings so i got a text from a gentleman who says it's simple i am a man i get involved with verbally and physically abusive women because of my mother she abused me and said she loved me so that's a good starting starting point to talking about why people do stay and how it's often related to um history
1: you know, the core family issues are forever coming up, Lori, aren't they? Yeah, that's uh, for sure. You know, we, you know, today on the radio show, we were talking about, you know, people were, were, were calling in about um, a, uh, depression, anxiety, and food addiction. Mm-hmm. And the three different people that called in were all saying, well, you know, it's genetic. And what's really interesting about this whole thing is that most of the time it's not genetic at all. Um, but they either learn how not to cope with life, and so then anxiety, depression, addiction comes in. Uh, But it all started back then. And what that gentleman said was true in your text. We see in our practice that most abuse is something being mirrored from 0 to 18. So if you're raised in an environment and you see dad being submissive to mom, Dad doing whatever he can not to rock the boat, mom being submissive to dad, making sure she doesn't do anything to rock the boat. And then you might see a push, or you might hear someone use a cuss word, calling the wife a word that you would never call a woman. Those type of things don't go away. And, you know, you and I both know very well the power of the subconscious mind.
0: Yeah. Of course. We
1: don't know too many people that at 18 go, you know, I can't wait to get married and beat my wife. <laughs> but right. we do see that happening. And so we say, well, how does that happen? Their intention was never to repeat what mom and dad did. But the intention cannot hold a candle to the repeated pattern the child saw as a child. And so when they get into an emotional situation and they don't have the coping skills, many of us resort right back to what we saw growing
0: up. It's our normal. It becomes our normal. Uh, David Essel is my guest tonight. He's a best-selling author, counselor, ma- master life coach. He can be found at talkdavid.com. He ha- offers these jumpstart sessions to get you on the right track, So, and, and they're done from anywhere around the world. You do it by phone or Skype, so you can uh, find out more through Talk David. Dot com. I have a, a text here that says, I personally think some women can be unknowingly manipulative. Most men slowly get caught in this whirlpool and may not even realize it until it gets to the point he feels like a prisoner. Although I'm not so sure they're unknowingly manipulative.
1: <laughs> you know
0: what? So, I'm
1: sorry to laugh at this, Dr. Lori, but there there is a point where we become the victim as an adult. There's a point where we say, you know, women do this and I didn't know a thing about it. Men do this and I don't know a thing about You know, it's victim talk. Um, the reality is what we have found is in the first 90 days of a dating relationship, you know all you need to know in regards to if this person is honest, good, kind, compassionate, communicative. As
0: long as you know what that looks like, David, we don't always know what that looks like. That's the problem. Uh we're uh, talking with David. If you have a, a story to tell us, if you want to tell us how you got out of an abusive relationship and what finally got you to leave, we want to hear from you tonight at 514-800. This is Passion on CJD 800. On our relationship hour tonight, uh, we are talking about why people stay in abusive relationships and or why people leave and go back to abusive relationships. And we'll talk about the steps to take to, to leave. So we're trying to understand the dynamic or the psychology behind the staying and also how we can help people get out of this. David Essel is my guest. He's a best-selling author, counselor, master life coach. You can find him at TalkDavid.com, where he offers um, like jumpstart uh, phone consultations to get people on the right track. So it's a it's a good first um, like beginning to before getting into therapy, for example. To figure out your objectives. Uh, So uh, he's with us tonight. We've got Beverly on the line as well. David, you ready to take a call? Absolutely. All right. Hi, Beverly. Yeah,
1: hi. I just want to say something that all these women that are abusing men, they should stop it because it's because the men don't want to punch them back because men are stronger than women.
0: Right. And I I, feel
1: like don't take advantage of that because if the man was abusing her, they would call the police.
0: Yes, that's right. That's the problem though. This is where men are faced with a problem because they can't fight back, which they don't. The men that I know, they put their hands behind their back or they, they make sure they don't fight back because they know that if they even try to stop or push back or push away, that the police will be called and they will be, they will end up in jail. So it puts men in a very bad um, position because they feel like they nobody's going to believe them unfortunately. Thank you very much for your call, Beverly. It's a very good point you're making. Uh- yeah, we, and
1: you know what, Dr. Lori, there was a client of mine that was arrested because he had his arms crossed to protect himself, right? His arms crossed across his chest to protect himself. And then he brought his arms out because he was actually getting hit. And she claimed that when he brought his arms out, he was coming after her. Mm-hmm. Right. And like it was pure defense and it's a crazy situation to be in. This was a client of mine um, and he got in a lot of trouble, but there was no attack on his part. All he was doing was protecting himself. And and so guys are in a tough situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel that. Yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, a, a couple of texts I want to share with you, David. Uh, unfortunately, thanks to feminism, women are held to be completely powerless and men are held to be completely powerful. Until that changes, abuse will continue to be perceived as a gendered issue. And it really isn't a gendered issue. The, the studies oh. are very clear on that, that it happens equally to both genders it's just that in the news we only hear about the 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 more serious uh, crimes and of course when men are more physical it's um i mean women take a a stronger hit right obviously because they're they're stronger so the damage is more when it's physical but not always i mean women can use weapons too uh this text writes hi dr Laura. i'm a recovering codependent female i met three narcissists in a row for the last four years i'm single peaceful and working on me apparently the universe keeps sending you more of the lesson you need to learn until you finally turn inward hugs your show is important to me oh thank you for that
1: very nice very nice
0: yeah so again learning
1: yeah you know if we look at some of the core issues with abuse so number one is core family Mm -hmm. we learn it from what we observe, number two, and this is going to be tied in, extremely low self-confidence and so low self-esteem, yeah. um, and how that what what that does is that keeps people trapped in a relationship that someone with high confidence would have left at the end of 30 days. Right. So we look at that, you know, and then there's the peer pressure, and this is going to sound weird. Society honors couples versus singles. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of women in unfortunate relationships or men in unfortunate relationships may look at it like, you know, I'm fortunate to have a partner. I don't want to go to events. Without someone, I don't want to start the dating scene over again. Mm. And so some people stay out of that pressure to be in relationship, Dr.
0: Lory. Oh, yeah. that That's uh, for sure. Actually, this person says this. And some stay because they feel it's the best they can do and it's better than being alone. But they yeah. don't realize being alone is better.
1: Oh, I, you know what? In our brand-new book that Dr. Lory wrote the foreword <laughs> to, so this is what I tell to all of Dr. Lory's listeners, Get a copy of the book, maybe from your library. Read the forward. It's the best part of the book. And
0: <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs>
1: back to Lori. but She did an awesome job in there in writing the forward to our new book. And in the book, Love and Relationship Secrets That Everyone Needs to Know, we hit so hard that comment of your last texture is that yeah. we want you to be happy. And if that means you need to take a couple years off, Please do it. It's worth
0: it. Yeah. People don't realize that. But I think, especially when you've been with someone for a long time or you started out very young and you have never been alone. Oftentimes, I hear from women, especially, I don't know how to do the books. I don't know how to pay bills. I don't know, like, my husband does all this stuff. I I don't know how I'm going to manage. I don't know where to begin. I don't know. So it's so overwhelming that sometimes they think, well, uh, maybe it's better the devil I know, you know? So, but it's unfortunate because eventually it's uh, they get there eventually. just too difficult you know another texter writes um i disagree with the guest i I don't know what you were saying that he disagrees but i will not go into details but i know someone who was married for 12 years and what he found out about her past was unreal she hid her past very well and conned him for 12 years and he is no fool but certainly felt like one so i mean getting i guess Wrapped up with someone who is so manipulative that they hide everything about themselves. That sounds pretty psychopathic, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, it does. And that's rare. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it doesn't mean it can't happen. I agree with the person that texted in. It can happen, but it's extremely it's rare. rare yeah. Here's the
0: thing.
1: Our neediness to be in love, our lust to be in love, our, you, you can use any word you want. Will block us from looking at the logic and reality in the beginning of many relationships, Dr. Lori. Yeah. And people don't, I mean, you know, we, I can tell you how many times people say, on the day we got married, he changed. And I go, oh, okay, wait, time out. And then when we go backwards, we looked at, well, oh, yeah, that's right. In the first 30 days, he did this. On week six, he did this. On week eight, he did that. But we are blinded by lust, desire, by like what one of your clients or one of your texters today said, I don't want to be alone. I'm afraid to be alone. Well, you put all that stuff together. We're wearing blinders in the beginning. We're not seeing what's right in front of us.
0: Yeah. Yes. It, it, and, yes, that's right.
1: Right. And so it's there. Is it, it could someone be so manipulated? Oh, well, yeah, of course. There are some people that skilled, but it's not normal. It's usually that we don't want to see the reality.
0: Right. Except that sometimes at the beginning the signs are far more subtle, right? You yeah, get exactly. whacked once in the head. You're you, you, that's not subtle anymore. So and, <laughs> and it becomes right. it's like it's that a person takes control slowly, not often right off the bat completely. So. Sometimes you, you really, uh, you really get caught up in, in all of that, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it becomes difficult to extricate. So, um, of course, this is the, we're going to use the last few minutes of the show, David, uh, to try and talk about, um, how we counsel people to leave because I read something interesting, uh, and you'll comment after uh, we check our traffic, but you, you talk about, um, you know, that maybe we're telling, uh, abuse victims the wrong thing in terms of, uh, their own victimization. And maybe it, it, it doesn't help them get out of that pattern. So I want to, I want to address that because you say, can, you know, can we continue to call a woman a victim? or a man at the hands of domestic abuse, victim when they continue to return to the same environment that they originally fled from. So that's something I want to address with you because that's a bit controversial, right?
1: <laughs> so yeah, very much. So, yeah. So
0: we'll address that with David Essel. You can find him at talkdavid.com uh, and find out about his jumpstart sessions as well to get you on the right track and begin your process of healing. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. So we're talking about leaving... Domestic violence situations or uh, or relationships. And in one of David's articles, it caught my eye when he writes, and he's joined me now, he can defend himself. Can we continue to call a woman a victim or a man at the hands of domestic abuse a victim when they continue to return to the same environment that they originally fled from? This is the biggest thing we have a hard time with, I think, David, as friends, family members who watch who, um, watch somebody maybe successfully leave, but then go back to that same Mm -hmm. situation. And there's some statistic out there that says it takes something like, I don't know, six times before somebody finally leaves for good. I think it's the same thing as an addiction in many ways, right? How many times does it take to quit before you finally quit for good? Um, And I wonder if it's the same process, you know?
1: Well, I've heard it seven times in domestic abuse, um, okay. where, where someone will actually finally walk away. But you, I was going to make the analogy, and you beat me to the point, which is awesome. This is an addiction.
0: Right. First
1: of all, we've got to get very clear, you know, and the definition that we've created for an addiction is a return to any substance, thought, behavior, or relationship that is unhealthy for us. Mm-hmm. Really simple definition. Right. It takes a lot for someone to raise their hand, Dr. Lurie, and say, I am an alcoholic. I am a food addict. It takes a lot for someone to raise their hand and say, I am the victim of domestic violence, and I continue to return to it. Right. But it is in that honesty that we become sober. It is in that honesty that we give ourselves the best chance to break the cycle of relationship abuse.
0: Right. And if we're
1: worried about being judged by others which alcoholics are and, and and domestic abuse victims are worried about being open and honest we will never change anything and the and the, the bad news is we're probably going to hand it down to the next generation
0: right that's the scary part and unfortunately yep. we do see that generation after generation if you don't do something to stop that cycle you're absolutely right now I want to take the last few minutes uh, David so we can try and help people like you know where to begin I can just give you the story of um, I worked with one client who was in a domestic abuse situation she was afraid she wasn't sure she didn't think he would kill her but he, she wasn't sure she couldn't predict how he would respond so we had to come up with a plan that included a, a safety plan for her. So she found a friend that she could stay with number one. And over uh-huh. the course of three months, she she would go to the gym on a regular basis. So she would take out like little by little, all the important things from the house that were hers, like important documents and things. And then in her gym bag, every, every time she went to the gym, she filled her gym bag with some stuff. Eventually she finally ended up with all the most important clothes and what have you. And then she never went back. Like once she had all what she really needed that he couldn't hold over her, uh, she just never went back at that point. So, but it required like a thought out plan that took a few months to execute.
1: And that is really normal. Like if for everyone who's listening right now, with Dr. Lori, and you are in that environment. where you, and, and let's let's also say it's crucially important to be equally aware of emotional abuse as well as physical abuse.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and we don't want to just say, if you're not getting hit, you know, then this... We're saying, hey, listen, if you're being put down constantly, called names, if you're being taken away from your family to see them, your friends to see them, that's abuse.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and
1: so what we would recommend is... At the sign where that you are aware that this is really unhealthy, start to work with someone like Dr. Lori or myself and create a plan. There are very few of us that have the self-esteem and confidence to be able to look in the mirror and say, I've been abused for X amount of months or years, I'm gone today. But if we can slowly help that client build their confidence and esteem and do what you said, Dr. Lori, every day make this move. Take this amount of money and put it in a private account. Right. These are the things that people need to do. And at the same time, they need to find ways to boost their own self-confidence and self-esteem, which is what counselors and therapists can help them do. Right. Support groups can help them do that. So it's like let's start working with professionals and groups to give ourselves the strength to do what's necessary.
0: Right. And we have, there are definitely groups in, in Montreal that, um, that offer that kind of support. SOS, violence conjugale is uh, one place, but, uh, the CLSCs, um, there's, uh, emotionally, uh, uh, emotional support groups as well in the community. So you can find those, they do exist. And it, it is very helpful to, to be with other people in a, in, in an anonymous setting, more or less, right? It's not, yeah. people are, are very respectful of confidentiality and such in these, in these group settings. And everybody's in the same boat. That's the thing. Uh, you can go to shelters, there's, um, you know, places where they can help you also develop a plan. There's a legal advice that you can get also. So the, there are, the Canadian government has a website even for people who are abused. Mm -hmm. So there are definite options uh, but you, people have to know about them and they sometimes have to do it on the sly which means you may have to go and ask a friend or use a friend's computer or some so that your partner doesn't find out like it depends on the extre- you know how extreme the situation is and how much in danger you actually feel
1: and I also recommend Dr. Lori, that to use library computers yeah. Google uh, stories of men and women that have remove themselves from abusive relationships, both emotional and physical,
0: yeah. um,
1: start to look out into the world. I mean, the Internet is full of so many people that have successfully left abusive partners. Read about them. See that it's possible. You know, so many times people in this situation, they get so into their own head that they can't see an escape route because they think, you know what, this is just the way it's always going to be. Right. This but- is just my life
0: but then they develop what we call learned helplessness as well. Right. They, they feel, uh, they feel so diminished by all of this and so emotionally exhausted that the Mm -hmm. thought of creating a plan, the thought of the trouble that's going to come down on them if they attempt to leave and the thought of what will happen to the children and how am I going to, mm-hmm. how am I going to make it financially and how am I, the, it's just so overwhelming. So we're telling people you don't have to do this alone. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I get that it's overwhelming, but if you have a, a therapist or a counselor to walk you through the process and support oh. you through that process, it is absolutely doable, and we should not be living in these kinds of conditions. I always say we've got one life to live, like, right. <laughs> you know. Right,
1: right. Hey, and, and let's look at it this way, too. You as, you as the person in an emotionally or physically abusive relationship, you start working with a counselor or a therapist, and usually counselors or therapists will start to really narrow it down and give us a step-by-step approach with our engagement right well right. okay let's you know for the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about x and then after that we're going to go to y and after that we're going to go to z right away that makes so many clients feel more comfortable okay i've got a soldier on my side they're going to help me with the plan i'm not alone anymore and just those feelings can make a world of difference dr laurie
0: absolutely absolutely david Essel always has Great words of advice. He's a best-selling author, counselor, master life coach. New book is available. All that information is on talkdavid.com, though, right? All your books and everything? All right. And your phone consultation, jumpstart sessions? Happening now?
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, we do them with all over the world via Skype and phone. So someone wants to just get that start, like we're going to get off the starting line of life. or We're going to start moving forward. The 30-minute jumpstart session is perfect, Dr. Wonderful.
0: David, we'll talk soon, okay? Thanks again for being such an awesome guest and a regular. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) I love love being with you, Dr. Lori. Have a great night. Take care now. Bye. Uh, Thank you all for uh, your text. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Nicole, our technical producer tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Batito or through my website, drlori.com where you have access to all our podcasts as well. Uh, the podcasts of all the past shows are uh, loaded up there. Uh, coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.